You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. Most importantly, your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Today, we're talking about Manhattan and how it has 15, over 15,000 empty apartment units now. What is going on? We've been talking about New York for quite a while, how it kind of merged from initially Washington, state of Washington was the epicenter of the coronavirus, and then it moved to New York with the way they handled it and how dense they are in their kind of urban living situation. You, If coronavirus gets in there, it's gone. It's like wildfire like we've got here in Washington. It's just going. So some of the topics I've been talking about, and I, I talked about yesterday with a small business owner I won't say too many details because I don't have permission to talk, um, didn't ask him, but he's a listener and follower of the podcast and he was kind of picking my brain. He sent a, a voicemail and picking my brain on what we think is going to happen to the downtown urban core, specifically here in Seattle. He's got a small business there and we're kind of going over strategy and I've been kind of thinking about, well, how long are people going to stay away from downtown? So there's this, this big narrative of, a lot of businesses saying, yep, we are not going to, we're not going to work in downtown anymore. We're away from that. We're going to go to the suburbs or people leaving downtown. And that's what this kind of, this article is, this post is, is Manhattan rental market plunges, leaving 15,000 empty apartments in August. My first thought was, well, Manhattan's pretty big. New York's pretty big. How many apartments do they normally have vacant come August? Because I mean, Rotation in the multifamily housing, especially in a market in, like Manhattan, is is typically super. There's a lot of turnover. You got people coming, you got people going. It's just that kind of city. It's not a city where you go do your you know three month lease and just kind of hunker down, take your job. It's a transient. There's people you know literally moving in, move out, coming in from all over the world, leaving, going here, getting tired of it. Casey Neistat left for California, and now he's selling his house in California already. I mean, just stuff like that. So let's jump on into this. Um, but my concern is that people are leaving the downtown core, and I don't think they're coming back. We've got a condo in uh, Belltown right now on the market, and it's a smaller studio, and we're having a tough time getting, getting that thing moved, getting activity on that. Because the whole coronavirus thing, I think it's really put a spotlight on people living in the downtown core urban areas with this pandemic going on. So the big narrative is, is this a long-term issue? Once we get a vaccine, does this go away? Or is this a short-term issue that's going to get resolved like a year or two down the road? And maybe there's some great opportunities to buy a condo, studio, one bedroom, whatever. I think most people um, are, are shying away from the studios because with so many people working from home, if people have a, a, a feeling that ah, I might be working from home, even if you're not right now, if you're working from home, you don't want to be in a studio because they're tight. There's just not a lot of space there. Nowhere to go. You want just a little bit more space. And that's one of the, the reasons I think you've got so many empty apartments in Manhattan right now is because people are leaving that environment and they're going somewhere where they've got just a little bit more room and they don't have just the pandemic numbers of coronavirus exploding around them. I know New York City, uh, I think they just opened up their indoor dining to 25% capacity. So good for you, New York. You guys are moving in the right direction. But man, what a run you've had. 
So let's jump on into this um, article and see what we've got going on. Because I look at New York and New York City and Manhattan um, for a lot of trends for big urban cities. That's one of the big cities along with like London and Sydney, um, just some of the, you know, LA to a certain extent, but it's not as kind of downtown urban as some of these other places are. Um, so let's jump on in. The number of rent, empty rental apartments in Manhattan nearly tripled compared with last year, according to a report from Douglas Elliman and Miller Samuel. The invent, And this is an article from CNBC, by the way. The inventory of empty units, which rose to 15,000 in August, is the largest ever recorded since data started being collected 14 years ago, the report said. So 14 years ago, 2006, right before the Great Recession started. Interesting. Hopes for a rebound in the fall or the end of 2020 look increasingly unlikely. And that's what I was talking to small business owner John about was, when do you think foot traffic in downtown is going to come back? And I was kind of like, Ugh. at the very earliest, I think it's, you know, March, April, May of 2021. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any reason that people are going to be going back to work in the downtown areas and I just don't see the foot traffic there that you need to sustain so many businesses that are in the downtown urban areas. I don't see that happening. So that's a lot of what we talked about was when are things going to come around for the the downtown course. All right, the number of empty rental apartments in Manhattan nearly tripled compared with last year as more New Yorkers fled the city and prices declined. Are they really fleeing the city or are they just like, mm, yeah, don't want to be here. I didn't really want to be here anyway, but now it's got less going on with so much of it closed up. I'm out of here. I don't. Are they fleeing? I don't know. It's one of those words, right? There were more than 15,000 empty rental apartments in Manhattan in August, up from 5,600 a year ago. Boy, that is literally almost a tripling. This, um, the inventory of empty units is the largest ever recorded. Yep, we already know that. Analysts say the rental market is the best barometer of overall strength in Manhattan's real estate market since rentals account for 75% of apartments and that market reacts more quickly to demand changing than the sales market. Yep, that makes total sense, especially in a market that has so many rentals like Manhattan. Experts say the migration from the city to the suburbs during the COVID-19 crisis has been fueled in large part by Manhattan renters leaving the city. So there you go. The rental market is weak and getting weaker, said Jonathan Miller, CEO of Miller Samuel. The first time buyers in outerlying areas are largely coming from the Manhattan rental market. And guess what is fueling a lot of that demand? Really low interest rates. People are like, all right, and we've been running the numbers lately. It's kind of like, okay, so with mortgage rates at this rate, say you're at like 3%, you got a 10% down payment, 15%, 20% down payment, what do those numbers compare to with rent? And a lot of times here in Seattle, if you're buying in kind of like a little bit further out, out, outerlying area, they're comparable or they're cheaper than rent for a lot of these markets. It, it's kind of crazy. Hopes for a rebound in the fall or the end of 2020 look increasingly unlikely. Although rental prices have come down, median rental prices fell 4% in August. The discounts are not steep enough yet to lure new renters back to the city. The average rental price for a two-bedroom uh, apartment in Manhattan is still 4756 a month. 
is that right for a two bedroom? And I guess it is that we were talking specifically Manhattan, 4,700 bucks for a two bedroom apartment. That is crazy, but it is Manhattan. The fall is generally a slow period in the Manhattan rental market, especially before an election, Miller said. Landlords are offering ever larger incentives to try and entice renters with the largest share of landlords offering concessions in history. So you got the most landlords offering concessions to get people in the door. On average, landlords were offering 1.9 months of free rent to new renters in August. That reminds me in Californication when Brad Pitt was like, yeah, out in California, I think they were coming from Texas, out in California, you can get the first month's rent free. So I figured we'd just go every to every apartment and get one month and we'll just live that way. It's not a bad, it's not a bad way to go. It doesn't work, but you know, it, the logic is somewhat there. All right, the weakest segment of rental market is the lower end for one bedrooms and studios, partly a result of the pandemic's greater impact on lower earners. Talk a lot about the haves and the haves nots in this economy and the lower wage earning folks. Those are the ones that are in jeopardy of being evicted. And those are the ones that are in jeopardy of having their homes foreclosed on. They've been impacted the most by the pandemic. We just know this. A lot of the more upper end uh, wage earners, they are working remotely, still got their jobs. They're still going. So you've got this great divide going on. And yeah, the one bedrooms and studios, like I just talked about the studio we have on the market, it's having a tough time. Now, normally, you're not going to hear that from a real estate broker because he's going to tell you, oh, the market is great. It's awesome. We are selling everything off the shelf. And for the most part, we are. But there's a certain segment in every marketplace that has a tough time for a specific reason. That's what we've got going on right now. So average rental prices for studios fell 9% to 2574. So almost 2600 bucks for a studio in Manhattan. That's crazy. Well, the average for one bedroom apartments fell 5% to 3445. 3445 for a one bedroom apartment. That's nutty. Who was I watching the other day? Sarah Nietzsche rhymes with peachy. She is a YouTuber and she does a lot of stuff with Casey Neistat, who was in New York. And she was talking about um, the fact that she just moved into a new apartment in, I, I think it was, I don't know, new, I don't know where it was. It's somewhere in New York, New York City. And she was talking about how great it was to have like a full-size washer and dryer and a um, dishwasher and things that the rest of, of us, the rest of us in America just take for granted. Well, of course you get that. But in Manhattan, things are so, in New York and New York City, things are so packed in that, ah, you don't, you don't need a washing machine or a dryer. You don't need a dishwasher. You don't need a window to look out. I mean, those are reality of living in a big urban market, right? So the big question for the Manhattan economy and beyond is how far will the economic ripples from the weak rental market spread? Well, big landlords like REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, and real estate companies have access to capital. Smaller mom-and-pop landlords with just one or two buildings may have trouble paying their mortgages and property taxes, which could later hit banks and lenders, as well as New York's tax revenue. Yeah, it's that trickle-down effect. I remember seeing a graffiti of, uh, what was it? Um, somebody, uh, wave our rent. What was it? Um forgive our rent. It was just like demanding that their rent not have to be paid just and graffitiing it really big on a wall. 
But then the, what I always think of is, okay, that's fine. But what about the landlord? What about the homeowner? What about the small homeowner who is a landlord that they depend on that for their rental income for their um, retirement? What about them? You can't just take one segment of the marketplace and go, okay, yeah, you guys are renters and you're okay. But that's kind of what we're talking about because I think we've got this whole thing of the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots are really getting hammered in this one, in, in the coronavirus. That's just what's going on. And I don't have any great answers, but um, I have commentary. That's why you're listening, right? I guess. Uh, where... Where you are already seeing stress on landlords is on the low end of the price spectrum. Yep. Miller said, you're clearly seeing weakness in the smaller end of the rental markets. So, um, yeah, that is kind of where we're at is New York City has the biggest amount of available inventory. I'm going to take a deep dive into our inventory here in Seattle and just see what that looks like. But across the board, I was talking to my friend Gavin in, um, in Sydney yesterday, and he said he lives, I think, three miles outside of the Central Business District in Sydney. And he said that he went further downtown into maybe like half a mile from like the really core urban part where you got all the massive high rises. And he said it was a ghost town in Sydney. He said there's, there's nobody walking around. And that's what you've got here in downtown Seattle as well. You've got nobody walking around. And all of those businesses that depend on foot traffic, it's not happening. And you've got so many people that have either been laid off or are no longer working in the big high rises that the downtown areas are like, ah. And then on top of that, you've got people who are like, all right, we're going to take advantage of these really low interest rates and we're going to get out of the rat race of living downtown. So to me, the big question is, how long does this keep going? And that's the answer we don't know. We kind of always go back to, well, once we have a vaccine, but I think we're a year or so outside of having just having a vaccine that makes any sense, let alone having one that's available to the general population. So maybe there's going to be a change in the, in the mindset once we have a vaccine that we know, okay, well, at least if I, you know, if I get the Rona, I'm probably not going to die, but I'll, I should be able to get the vaccine soon. So I'll probably be okay. Let's go move back downtown in Seattle here. Let's go move into Belltown. Let's snap up one of those really cheap one bedrooms. I don't know. Do we see that as a reality or do we just kind of put the big ixnay on living downtown from here on out? Downtown's got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, normally it's got a lot of stuff going on, right? Right now it's got nothing going on. I mean, there's, there's just not much going on, including a lot of businesses that can't make it because there's nothing going on. It's that big circular effect. And when is that, um, you know, when is that circle going to stop? When, when's that market going to pick up? And I don't think it is, uh, it's not in 2020, that's for sure. We're in, we're in September, beginning of September, not going to turn around before the end of the year. And is it next spring? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's next summer when you start to see stuff kind of finally working its way out. I feel like in the last month or two, probably mainly in August, more and more people getting out. The people I talk to at 7-Eleven, at the gas station, Uber drivers, they're all saying, yep, it's getting a little bit busier, but it's still not as busy, obviously, as it was before 
uh, COVID-19 hit. And a lot of it has to do with travel. There's no travel going on. The Uber drivers, they depend on uh, airport traffic. So the airport for a lot of their business. People just need a ride to their hotel, need a ride to their convention center, need a ride to wherever it is they're going. They don't want to rent a car because they don't really need to. So they, they grab an Uber um, or grab a Lyft or whatever it is, whatever ride share you. Maybe, maybe you're grabbing a taxi. I sometimes do that just because it's so darn easy. You see that yellow taxi and you're like, and you're tired from a long flight and you get off and go, I don't want to mess around with this ridiculous Uber app. And it's not that bad. I use it all the time. But there's a yellow taxi right there. I'm just going to go stand in that line where there's like one person. Somebody's going to ask me, do you need a taxi? And I'm going to say, yep, I do. Pile me in that taxi. And then off we go. Maybe it's a little bit more. I don't know. Um, but it kind of makes sense when you're in that in that thing. When are we going to see that again, the, the consistent travel? Another total side note is China is going to be putting Australia into possibly one of their travel bubbles where they accept people from Australia coming into China. Um, Australia is basically on lockdown right now. But for a certain segment of the population, if you do a request, you can fly out of the country for whatever reason. I think I can't remember the stats that I heard. I think it was Gavin told me. Can't remember the stats, my friend Gavin. But it was like a third of the people that applied to fly out of the country were denied. So Australia is basically just on lockdown. They have very few cases for a country of 25 million. I think they have 800 deaths. I mean, that's phenomenal. But the economic impact is massive, enormous. And that's why there are so many people without jobs in a downtown area like Sydney, and they're not coming back anytime soon. Everybody's working from home. Anybody who can is working from home. And I think, um, who was it? Was it Amazon the other day said, all right, January 8th, we're going back to our office offices, January 8th. And that's the most aggressive I've heard of a big uh, employer in um, particularly here in the Seattle area, you've got Facebook, you've got Google, you've got Zillow here saying, well, we think you guys are going to work from home permanently. Is that a reality? I don't know. Another one that I heard was uh, CEO of Netflix. He is not a fan of working from home. He's like, yeah, there's nothing positive from working from home. So as soon as we can, we're going to go back. And his take was, and he's a, he's a no working from home kind of guy, which I find interesting, but he's in the entertainment business, video, all right. He probably needs more collaboration than he can get on Zoom because let's, let's be honest, Zoom with the video conferencing, it's okay, but you just can't get that same one-on-one -on -one feel. You can't, I, I talk about feeling and smelling a house. You just don't get that same interaction when you're on Zoom. It's good, but it's not as good as a small meeting with people that you collaborate with. You just get more done when you're in person. Let's be honest, you get more done if you're in a creative if you need to be in a creative environment. And I assume that's what Netflix is. But the Netflix CEO was saying, I think that we will go back to a working at the office downtown, but you'll be working four days a week. And maybe on Fridays, you work from home. And we've joked here in Seattle for a long time because we've got these weird traffic patterns. We've got the off-ramp from our major freeway, 520, which is, um, I don't know, a mile and a quarter from my office here. And 
you go just up that freeway, maybe a mile or or so, and that's the main exit for One Redmond Way, which is Microsoft's headquarters. And those guys pile into work at like 10. They're tech workers, they work late. So they come in late, and they work late. And one of the things here in Seattle that we talk about is Friday is the unofficial work from home day. And now that's becoming like an official thing. And for so long, it was like, oh, you're working from home. Meaning, you know, people are joking, oh, you're not really working. I know what you're doing. You're walking your dog. You're doing your laundry. You're playing with your kids. But people actually do work from home. I don't. I don't really like to. I'll work from anywhere else. But home, nah. I don't want to do that. It's, it's painful. When I hear that people have literally been working from home since like March, I'm like, oh, man, that's no fun at all. I just I just like to get out and go somewhere and do things. Yeah, I've had greater risk of getting the, the Rona, the dreaded Rona. But I kind of feel like when it's my time, it's my time. And in the meantime, I'm going to do my thing. I will wear my mask, keeping others safe from the dreaded Rona that I might have. But that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. So it'll be interesting to follow what happens with Manhattan's rental issue with all of this inventory. I'm really surprised that they're offering as much in the way of incentives as they are. But what this means is that in a lot of markets, you can renegotiate your uh, commercial lease, and maybe your lease in a downtown market if you're in a rental in downtown. I don't think outside of the downtown markets, you're going to be able to do that. I'm in a suburban market where I live, and I'm also in a suburban market where uh, my office space is. And our office space is getting absorbed pretty quickly, and our housing is off the charts hot. It's smoking red hot. And I see that all across the United States. The only exception was Maui. I just saw Maui stats for uh, August, and numbers are down. But guess what? They've had a 100% travel ban on people coming in and out of Maui. So that's kind of to be expected. Every other market I've seen is has been red hot. So you got to kind of pick and choose where you think you're going to negotiate things because in a downtown core, yep, probably negotiable. Outside of that, because of interest rates and people buying stuff, just like we talked about here in New York, that's what's going on. So that's about it for me with this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to have you subscribe. If you feel like this is content that you've benefited from, smash that subscribe button. Or is it smash the like button? I can never remember. You guys do what you want. Thanks for watching. I'm Sean Reynolds from Summer Properties Northwest Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. We'll catch up soon. Talk then. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.